Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Thursday edition of the program. We are cruising through the week. I was out Monday. We had Bats Baseball on Wednesday. So as far as the show go, it's been a pretty short week, but we'll be here today, obviously, and back on Friday to send you into the weekend. Last night, high school baseball on the Big X. It was great to be out at Don Pool Field in Jeffersonville. A 3-0 win, Providence over Jeff, a no-hitter and a big victory for Providence pitcher Cody Jackson. We'll talk more about that game coming up in just a bit, but a lot of fun. The sectional is almost here. We are really days away now, just a week and a half away from postseason baseball and some local clubs in the area looking good. We'll see how things play out as we work ourselves up to the Memorial Day holiday, which is always so fun. It's a great holiday, number one. It means that summertime and school is out. The summertime almost here, school is out, but also it signals some great baseball in the postseason that we have really really been spoiled in our area now for a number of years with some great high school baseball teams and coaches and players. It's just a lot of fun. Welcome into our Thursday show. Lots to get to from an IU perspective as well today. Let's take a look at the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, Joe Decker, the longtime coach of Silver Creek Baseball, highly successful. When I talk about great coaches and great programs in the area, he's most definitely in that classification. He's going to join us here in just a minute to talk about the Dragons this season. Coach Decker also announced before the year that it is his final year. He's going to retire from coaching high school baseball, so we'll chat about that and You know, I was reading some stuff uh, last night from Josh Cook about Silver Creek baseball, and I thought, we need to have Coach Decker on. Some unbelievable statistics about Silver Creek's dominance here locally and in the Mid-Southern Conference. So we'll cover some of those things as well with Coach Decker here in the first segment. Also, later in the show, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall. He is always with us on Thursdays, presented by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture as we talk the latest with IU Basketball. Boy, a lot of momentum right now with IU Basketball after the commitment last Friday night of McKenzie Mbaco. And it's going to be fun uh, to see how things play out over the coming weeks for Indiana uh, as far as recruiting and transfer portal stuff movement goes. And, of course, we got to keep an eye on Trace Jackson Davis. I think by all accounts he's had a very successful NBA draft combine. And Jalen hood Shafino as well will kind of update where both of those guys stand as there have been some updates to NBA draft boards as we get late in the week with all the activities up in Chicago. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner 
dinner package deals which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. The Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. You got a question, a comment for Coach Decker or something on IU for Alex Bozich, or you just want to sound off about IU basketball, football, local sports, whatever it may be, Fire me a text, 502-414-1450. And if you're looking for an icy, cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction, right now at Thornton's, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's. Let's welcome Coach Joe Decker of Silver Creek Baseball to the program. Coach, glad to have you with us. I, I know you've got to have that that different feeling in you that all coaches do when you get to this latter moment of the regular season. The weather is changing. Summertime is almost here, and that means sectional baseball is just around the corner, and your Silver Creek program has been so dominant in the sectional and had great runs in the tournament. That great time is almost here, Coach. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. We're excited. We tried to get, uh, you know, one of the things we preach all year is that, you know, we play to get to the end of the season. And, uh, you know, we, we work towards the end, and hopefully we're playing our base, best baseball at the end of the season. So it's definitely an exciting time, and uh, we try to make it fun towards the end of the year and, and hope our kids enjoy the, the last few weeks of the season and as the weather gets better, uh, you know, to uh, – to, to just get ready and geared up for sectional. Coach, I want to start our conversation on you and the coaching career that you've had and the success that you've had in Southern Indiana High School baseball. The announcement, you made it before the season that this is it. After a lot of success and some great moments at Silver Creek, you are going to step aside from coaching baseball at the conclusion of this season. So I'm curious, <clears throat> why the decision? After all the success and the great seasons, what makes this the, your last as the manager at Silver Creek? Well, I, I had a I had a son graduate last year, and I think some people thought I might leave after he graduated. But um, I kind of wanted to feel it out. Um, I have a daughter who's going to be a senior next year, uh, who's a softball player, and my son's off playing college baseball. And you know, I I really wanted to be able to watch them play, um, and uh, especially my daughter. I haven't gotten to see her much because of coaching. Um, and you know, they always say, you know, you just know when it's time and uh, through the winter, I just kind of figured out, like, yeah, this it's it's time for somebody else to do this, and uh, um, you know, you just I, I think it's one of those things you just know you know when you know. Coach, a lot of great memories so far. I know you're hoping to make some more great memories coming up over the next few weeks as the state tournament gets here. But can you take us back at Silver Creek? Some of them may be pretty obvious, great memories that you'll keep close for years to come. But is there a top memory or two or three that you can go back and kind of reflect with us on today? Yeah, I, I think the the one, you know, obviously one of the biggest ones is the year we went to state back in 2018. And at the time, uh, I know it's it's kind of become commonplace now that Silver Creek's going to and winning state championships. But at the time, no, nobody had gone to state. Like it was our first big deal, um, you know, for the whole school um, and just the environment there. Uh, you know, that was pretty special. Um, and then, you know, last year uh, the run we had with with getting to do that with my son, uh, and enjoying his senior season. Uh, winning a sectional, winning a regional, uh, and then 
getting to coach him uh, in the North-South game. Uh, you know, th- those are two that stick out in my mind. But, but also this, uh, this run we've had in conference, like it's just it, it's, it, it's hard to put into words uh, what that's been like. Just uh, it's been an incredible, incredible run for, for our guys in the conference. So uh, all those things have just been kind of the pinnacle of all of it. It sounds like you've already got plans for your non-coaching times ahead. Lots of, I'm sure, college baseball with your son and obviously your daughter, her senior year, and softball will be fun. So we know that we'll still see you at ballparks and baseball and softball diamonds. It may just not be always at a Silver Creek baseball game. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what else. I, I, I tell my students all the time, I know baseball and math, and don't ask me any other questions. So I didn't, <laughs> I'm, not sure what, I'm not sure what else I would do if I – if I wasn't uh, involved somehow. Well, Coach, I want to congratulate you on a great career. It's been fun to talk with you from time to time over these last number of seasons and, of course, cover some of your games. Always great to follow Silver Creek Baseball in the postseason as well. So before we get into your team, just a moment to congratulate you and thanks for what you've done for Southern Indiana Baseball. You know, it wasn't just at Silver Creek. You spent some years at Indiana University Southeast helping build up that baseball program. So when I think of baseball guys in the area, I know we've got a lot of great coaches, but you'll be uh, at the top of that list. So congratulations to you. Well, I appreciate that. I've been, I've been really fortunate to have some great guys with me, uh, especially this past uh, 11 and 12 years at Silver Creek. Um, I tell everybody our staff is second to none, and it takes, it takes a, a whole staff to be able to have a successful program, and we've been really fortunate to have a great group of guys involved for a really long time so that's helped a bunch joe decker the silver creek baseball coach with us and coach let's get into your program your team Uh, i just want to read off a couple notes here and you you touched on it earlier but silver creek has uh, won its 12th mid-southern conference baseball championship in 13 years i think i've got that correct and then with the final conference game of the season this week with a victory there, Silver Creek has now won 63 straight Mid-Southern Conference games going back to May 11th, 2015. To me, those are unbelievable records, numbers, streaks, uh, just dominance in the Mid-Southern Conference, which has always been a good athletic conference here in Southern Indiana. Yeah, it's and and I told somebody the other day, it's not like baseball's been bad in the Mid Southern. Like it's not, you know, they, there's been some really good teams, and uh, I remember back in 2019 when uh, we had a couple kids graduate, and they, you know, they said, "Hey, we we went all through through high school and we didn't lose a conference game," and I'm like, "That's incredible!" Like that was that first class in 19. Um, and now the, the class of 21, obviously COVID for 20, we didn't have it, but 21 did the same, 22 did the same, and 23 did the same. And I, I, I told the guys last night, I'm like, I don't think you understand how impossible that is not to have one hiccup, one bad game, one just lay an egg game over the course of the past eight years uh, is just it, it, it's in, it, to me that's the, the one of the most incredible things I've ever seen, and just to be lucky to be a part of the whole thing as it's happened, it's been it's been really incredible. Coach Decker, you talk about the Mid Southern Conference, and obviously we know your dominance there, but 
in this time you've been back at Silver Creek, the dominance uh, or how good this area in general has been, whether it's a conference game or a non-conference game, whether it's regular season or postseason. I mean, as a baseball guy, I know you want your team to win. You want to coach your guys to get better, to go on to college, if that's their hope, to play baseball there, and really just to be good young men and contributors to the community there in Sellersburg. But how about the guys and the coaches and the people you've had to go against to make these runs and to record this kind of winning percentage and have the success that you have as a team and with individual standouts as well, going against great players? I mean, everywhere you look, there's someone from Southern Indiana baseball that is in college playing or did play in college or has moved on to the minor leagues or may get drafted in a year or two. It's just unbelievable who this area has produced. You guys have had your fair share of those guys, but in general, it's amazing who you've had to go against uh, some of the big rivalry games, especially over your coaching time at Silver Creek. Yeah, well, and it goes back to, uh, I think it was 17, 2017, uh, or maybe 2018 and 19, where Providence uh, moved up to 3A uh, for a couple years, and we had to go, you know, they were in our sectional, and, you know, they were just absolutely loaded with Reese Davis, Timmy Borden, all these guys, and we really felt like whoever won our sectional could win the whole thing. Um, and, that you know, that was the year we won the sectional, uh, and then we lost in the state championship. Then the next year, I think we beat them 2-1 to one, uh, in 19, and we lost in semi-state that year. So, uh, yeah, the uh, the level of talent here lately has been uh, has been really really incredible, um, and I think everybody, you know, I think guys like Chris McIntyre, uh, um, you know, and and uh, you know Jeffersonville's program, Floyd, it's kind of raised the bar for you know all of us and and made us compete a little more, and I think we've done the same to other conference schools. I think uh, you know. You, you, to compete, you have to get better, and and I feel like uh, baseball in general in our area has gotten a lot better over the past few years. Talking Silver Creek baseball with Coach Joe Decker. Coach, let's talk about your team this season in advance of the upcoming sectional. It's been another great year. Can you give us some highlights? And We know about the, the, the dominance in the conference. You recently had a big win over New Albany uh, here at this middle point of the month where you really want to get things tuned up and rolling, but Tell us about the Dragons this season, how it's went, and who you're counting on in a big way for a postseason run. Well, kind of every year it kind of starts over where you kind of have to find new leadership. And I think with this group, uh, we had a group of seniors last year that were really good leaders. And it took a little while for uh, to us to find our, our balance and our leadership and, I, and our kind of chemistry. And I think it's finally come together, and I think we've figured some things out uh you know from that aspect and uh um you know obviously you kind of rely heavy on your seniors we've got uh two really good ones in uh jace burton who's our shortstop and dane deweese uh who's our, our center fielder um but we're you know you know we've been really good but people don't really think about we're really young we start three sophomores uh three seniors and three juniors um so uh you know, we've been lucky the past few years. We've had a, a, a good balance um, and haven't had a real, you know, senior-heavy class um, for it since, you know, since 2018. But, um, you know, Preston Burton's been really good on the mound for us. Uh, as a, only a sophomore, he's, he's kind of taken that leadership role. And uh, we've had some different guys step up that for, 
anybody to be successful, you have to have that. Uh, the couple guys you didn't think uh, would would be big impact players that have turned into big impact players for us. All right, Joe Decker, Silver Creek Baseball, with us here in the opening segment of our Thursday program. Coach, the sectional is almost here. Uh, maybe a little preview of what your local sectional looks like and what fans can expect from some of those games, the drawing, the pairings have been out now for a couple weeks. Yeah, it's it, as always, in baseball, it's, it's one of those things everybody says, but anybody can win on any given day. So, you know, you really have to prepare for every game. Uh, I was doing scouting stuff earlier this morning uh, uh, during my plan, but uh, it, we've got a decent draw. We're the only team that got the buy, so we only have to win two to win it. Um, but there's a, you know, Scottsburg's really good. Charlestown's really good. Madison's really good. Corden played us really well last night. Uh, North Harrison, uh, we only beat two to one. So uh, it's it's one of those things that's wide open, but I also tell our guys I feel like if we play the way we can play, uh, we kind of control our own destiny. So uh, that's a good position to be in. All right, Coach Decker, one other really unique things about your final season is the fact that the Silver Creek field is under renovation. There's going to be a new baseball set up there uh, in future seasons. So you've had to play your games off-site this year at Clarksville Little League on their big field. Now, for a Little League facility, uh, you know, a, a, the town of Clarksville maintains it. It's a, it's a nice place. We broadcast a number of Little League championship games from there over the years, but nothing is like your home field, and I'm sure your own dugout and your own coach's office. So in this finale, how odd, how different has it been at times to go off-site to play your home games? Well, we've only played five home games, so we, we played <laughs> most of the games on the road. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the guys over there, uh, uh, Nate Kane and, and Clark, they've been great about getting the field ready. It's always been in good shape. But you're right, it's, uh, it, it's, it's tough to lug stuff back and forth when you have in, indoor practice than outdoor practice. Uh, um, I've forgotten twice that when we were playing there, I wore a away jersey instead of home jersey, so I've done that two times. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it, it's definitely uh, been a challenge, but um, it, it's one of those things that, um, you know, the, the new facility is going to be amazing. Uh, and, you know, I told our AD for one year, uh, to, to, for the program to get the new facilities they're getting for one year, we'll, we'll manage and we'll struggle through. But uh, we've tried not to focus on it as much as possible, and uh, we've, we've definitely worn out our away uniforms. <laughs> I understand. Uh, Joe Decker, coach at Silver Creek. Coach, great to talk with you. Probably a good chance we connect again in the postseason, but uh, congratulations regardless what happens in the coming month uh, on a great career as a high school baseball coach here in the area. And uh, congratulations on what you've built at Silver Creek. Definitely has made this area better when it comes to baseball and appreciate you. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate all you guys do, too. And right. You guys have been great. Thank you very much. Joe Decker with us here to start the Thursday program. Really just amazing. Coach Decker in that group he named Chris McIntyre. Of course, Derek Ellis uh, stepped away at Jeff last season. But uh, a number of great guys. Casey LaDuke at Floyd Central, and uh, I'm leaving people out. Coach Hornung at Providence for years. I know there's been a number of changes in the baseball coaching scene as far as retirements and new faces coming in. But those guys have, have helped make it special because they're willing to do the extra things 
for their programs and promote their kids and come on radio and help get broadcasts set up and just so many things that parents, public may not know. But Coach Decker has always been one of those guys, and so we congratulate him on a great career and hope that Silver Creek can make a run here and represent our area in the upcoming baseball state tournament. Last night I mentioned baseball. One other quick note there, uh, Cody Jackson of Providence tossed a no-hitter, Providence a 3-0 winner at Jeffersonville last night. Now, Jackson, who's a senior and the go-to guy for Providence, or one of them, uh, has had a tremendous career even since he was a youngster at Providence. But back uh, yesterday, after he's recently back from an injury, so I know some of the Providence coaches told me before the game that they were really interesting. It wasn't just a big Providence-Jeff rivalry game, but it really interested to see how he could do against good competition as they start to get their rotation set and plans made for the upcoming sectional. But Providence, a great year with the win last night. They're now 20-3 and on the season. Jackson walked just three batters, had six strikeouts. He went the distance uh, through a complete game for Providence last night. Uh, Caden White of uh, of Jeffersonville, the, the losing pitcher in the game, still was uh, turned in a solid effort. He's playing going to play at Memphis after his high school career comes to a close. But Providence now 20-3 and on the season as they have just a handful of games left before the state tournament. I think I'd mentioned earlier Floyd Central, and I do think Floyd is a team to really watch in the area as far as somebody that can make a run. They've got a tough 4A sectional coming up, but Providence definitely with this big record and some of the successes they've had Really, really one of our locals to watch and see if they, too, could make a run in the upcoming postseason. We'll head to a commercial break. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall, presented by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture, is next. We've got a lot to chat about when it comes to Mike Woodson, the Indiana Hoosiers recruiting, and the transfer portal. Stay with us for that here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Thursday edition of the program. Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall, always with us in this segment. And it's brought to you by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture, their new location in Jeffersonville. Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture, where you can save 25% off during their pre-grand opening sale at all three locations. They've got two in downtown New Albany. And, of course, as I just mentioned, their newest location on Veterans Parkway in Jeffersonville. Alex, there's a lot to get to because since we spoke last, Indiana has picked up a huge commitment from recent Duke decommit, Mackenzie Mbaco, and Indiana once again with Mike Woodson and the assistant coaches leading the drive. They have very late in the recruiting process because of coaching changes or decommitments like Mbaco picked up a huge name that's immediately going to be on campus in coming weeks and available for next season. So I guess we can say Mike Woodson and his staff, they, they did it again with another big big name late ad. 
Yeah, Matt, we talked about this last week a little bit, that there was a bit of a track record with Tamar Bates in 2021 and Malik Renew in 2022. Now I, I guess it's fair to call it a trend, Indiana picking up a spring commitment from a highly rated prospect and, and doing so, I think, really solidified at least a floor uh, for next season's team of being uh, a likely NCAA tournament team. I think there was question about that going into – last week and then by bringing in a player like Mbaka who just very uh, skilled player who obviously is a consensus top 10 player a guy that's uh, a likely one and done uh, prospect that is just so highly regarded for his ability to score uh, not just from the perimeter but also in the mid-range and at the rim Uh, very athletic with a college ready body I think there's uh, just a lot to like about him as a player. And I think, uh, as I said, bringing him onto the roster, along with the return of Xavier Johnson, the return of Malik Renew, adding Khalil Ware from Oregon, Trey Galloway's back, Anthony Walker from Miami comes in, Peyton Sparks from Ball State, CJ Gunn and Caleb Banks, another offseason to uh, develop, and obviously bringing in Gabe Cups and Ja'Kai Newton. There's just a lot to like, I think, for it looking at Indiana's roster for next season and the potential uh, for what it could become. Alex Bozich inside the hall, our guest. You know, we we got to get to another big topic today, which I guess could theoretically involve Indiana, but Caleb Love uh, from North Carolina. Indiana, first off, recruited him as a high school prospect. He ultimately chose North Carolina. He entered the transfer portal this offseason, and Indiana was definitely involved, but ultimately he picked Michigan. Last night during our broad broadcast of Providence Jeffersonville baseball, started getting texts and tweets and everything else that Love uh, had decommitted from Michigan. Uh, what What's the particular surrounding that situation? Do we know, and do you think that this time around, I guess you could say the third time around for Indiana, if they get involved, this third opportunity to quote-unquote recruit love, uh, do you expect Indiana to do that, and would he maybe be a fit in Bloomington? Yeah, Matt, before we just kind of get into the, the situation, you know, and this is just, I guess, me editorializing a little bit, I'm really kind of disappointed just to see how this is played out publicly from uh, a Michigan standpoint, because uh, this is the third time that they've recruited a kid who was going to transfer in and then later had to kind of part ways. If you remember back, uh, Nojel Eastern, who was at Purdue and was a really good player for them, uh, he was going to transfer to Michigan, and it came out later that he wasn't able to transfer, I guess, because of academic reasons or transfers coming in. The same thing happened last offseason with Terrence Shannon Jr. of Illinois. Ultimately, he found um, a spot to go uh, coming from Texas Tech and ended up in Illinois. Um, and now for a third, and this isn't a third straight, but you know, a third guy now, Caleb Love, uh, declares that he's going to transfer to Michigan, um, and and now it comes out that he's sounds like he didn't pass admission to get into Michigan. My problem with this is from the Michigan perspective is I think – to make a kid kind of look bad like they have now uh, without kind of knowing up front when you take the commitment, if you're going to be able to get him in, to me, that should come first before you take a commitment from a kid or even get to the point where this happens. Because now it looks like uh, it's this is Caleb Bubb's fault or he did something wrong. My understanding is is that with, a, with Michigan specifically, um, they're – you know, not to get in, into the weeds too far, but basically um, the way that 
they view transfer credits maybe a little bit more stringent than other schools. And so I think, you know, long story short, the problem with what with, that Caleb Love ran into is that not enough credits were going to transfer from his work, academic work at North Carolina into Michigan. And so he didn't have enough progress towards the degree to be considered in the class that you know, he was uh, looking to be academically. And so it comes out that he decommitted. decommitted um, basically, it was just a, a thing where they didn't accept him into the school. And so, like I said, I think that should have been handled before they even accepted a commitment or anything was made public that he wanted to go there because now it just makes the kid look bad and kind of embarrassing for the kid. Now, as for Indiana's potential interest, um, you know, I can't speak specifically to that. You know, obviously he's a talented player. I think there would probably be some of the same challenges um, in terms of how the credits transfer and all that. I mean, the Big Ten is obviously going to be a little bit more stringent. Um, schools obviously have specific say in this, but um, maybe looking at these things a little bit more closely than, than, say, other conferences. So, I mean, obviously I think for Indiana with one scholarship – open, uh, they would be at least, um, you know, it would be a mistake to not look at every available option out there. But at this point, you know, I think a lot of it's just speculation and we'll have to see how it develops. And you know, obviously he's a player that could really, uh, from a talent perspective, help. I don't know exactly how he fits in terms of his style of play in Indiana. You know, he's a kind of a high usage, low efficiency guy. I would, I would have said maybe before they took the commitment from Mbako and got in, uh, if that wasn't going to happen, he might make a little bit more sense. And I'm not saying it wouldn't necessarily make sense to look into it and potentially add in if, if it were to be deemed to be a fit. I just don't know exactly how he would fit from a style of play and kind of what they have already because I, I think they're they're pretty well set. I mean, I look at what they need for next year. I'd say more of a kind of a guy that can space the floor and shoot threes at a high percentage, maybe not at a high volume. And Caleb Love is more of a kind of a guy that wants the ball in his hands, wants to take a lot of shots. I mean, he had games where you know, he's taken high teams uh, in terms of shot attempts. I'm not exactly sure how that would, would fit in with Indiana's roster, but definitely a talented player. I just feel a little bit bad for the kid that, you know, he had to go through this situation because it's not the – it'd be one thing if this was the first time this happened with Michigan, but the same thing kind of happened with – Terrence Shannon and Nojel Eastern, and I would say from a Michigan perspective, probably really frustrating for Jawan Howard uh, to go out for the second straight year and get uh, a really good player uh, that wanted to come to your school um, and then not be able to get them through admissions. I would, I would say that's not necessarily a uh, uh, path forward to success, particularly in an era now where the transfer portal is so uh, important uh, if they're not going to change their standards in terms of uh, taking transfers uh, in, from an admissions perspective. Then I think it's going to be a huge uphill battle for Michigan to stay relevant in college basketball. Yeah, definitely something to pay attention to in the world of the Big Ten. Alex, we also need to give some attention to uh, old faithful Trace Jackson Davis because uh, he's had quite the week in Chicago. He, I mentioned earlier in our last show that I think he was to start some sort of uh, shooting contest, a three-point shooting uh, drill. He hit the first nine of 12 sh- uh, threes that he took, which is 
unbelievable. I know it wasn't a live game, and I don't think there was defense or anything like that, but for a guy that never shot a three or hit a three, I should say, in his time at Indiana, uh, you know, pretty impressive. And obviously that is something he has wanted to show NBA personnel this week in Chicago. But uh, I saw a report earlier today that he's got lots of uh, opportunities now coming out of the Combine this weekend to go work out individually, and I'm assuming in some small groups with NBA franchises. So it looks like Trace, who's basically not 100%, but basically I think been considered a second-round guy according to a lot of the mock drafts I saw, at least pre-Combine mock drafts, he's been considered to be a second-round guy. But I think it, it will be interesting to see if he gets a little bump off of this and if he can take advantage of some of these workout opportunities and maybe increase his stock and his pick a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've, it seems to me that, and this is just me speculating, but having followed the, the NBA draft as, as much as I do, and it's something that I really actually pay a lot of attention to and like to follow even in years where there's not IU guys in, but it was interesting to me that he didn't participate in the scrimmages because typically the guys who are early second round, late second round, potentially undrafted, play in those scrimmages and you'll get the guys who are obviously surefire lottery picks or surefire first round picks that have to sit out he was one of i think 37 guys and a couple of them are injured that didn't participate in the scrimmages to me that says that he either feels really good that he's going to be a late first round early second round pick or that basically a team has kind of given him a guarantee and saying uh if you're if you go to this spot, if you fall to this spot, we'll take you at this spot and we'll give you a, a guaranteed contract because uh, you know that that this that happens um, quite a bit now. Um, I remember last year, uh, Caleb Houston, who went to Michigan, didn't do much of anything at the combine in terms of basketball, and it was because Orlando had given him a guarantee that they were going to take him. I believe in the early second round, he got a guaranteed contract. I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing was true with Trace because typically guys who are projected in his uh, range, uh, early second round, uh, will try to go through the scrimmages and all that to combine to raise their stock. So I think it's good. It's a sign that uh, I, I think that the draft's going to work out in a favorable uh, manner for him. And even if it's maybe not as an early second round pick, even if he goes late to late to uh, mid to late second round, even. Uh, I, I don't think the positioning is, is as important as whether or not he's kind of got a deal lined up. So if the team says, you know, we're going to give you three or four years if you're available at this spot, um, and we'll take you, I think that's kind of the, the reason to shut it down. Now, uh, he is going to obviously go through these workouts and give himself a chance to move up. But, I, you know, I've seen a couple. I did uh, a roundup yesterday on the site, Matt, yesterday, that um, there was a couple mock drafts that had him in the late first round. I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me um, to see a team take a chance on him late in the first round. The reason I say that is because typically those teams are, you know, obviously playoff teams, teams that are um, have a lot of veteran experience, typically well-run organizations because they're picking later in the first round. They know what they're doing, and they can probably uh, maybe bring Trace along a little bit uh, more slowly. I would, I would much rather, if I was him, go to a situation where you have a good – franchise a good infrastructure where they're going to be focused on development and maybe he's the guy that gets a chance uh, to play a little bit in the G League and kind of bounce back and forth between the, the, the two teams but I, I definitely 
think he's going to be a guy that it ends up with a guaranteed contract of some sort and, and have at least a couple of years shot in the NBA at minimum. All right, what about Hood Shafino? What have you heard about Jalen? I've seen the headlines on Trace, but not as much about Jalen Hood Shafino, who is projected to be a first-round pick. Yeah, he's uh, obviously projected a little bit higher. Uh, the interesting thing there is you don't really see as much um, lottery buzz for him as you did before. Most of the projections have him somewhere in that 15 to 22 range, which is still obviously going to be a guaranteed NBA contract of uh, typically at least two, three, three minimum years uh, with probably, you know, eight to 10 million, maybe up to 15 if he, if he does uh, four years on that first contract guaranteed. So that's uh, a great spot for him to be in. You know, some of that may just be the lack of knowledge out there those doing these mock drafts in terms of where they actually, uh, what intel they have from teams and where he could go. But he's a guy that I could see going anywhere from late lottery uh, all the way down to somewhere in the 20s. It'd be hard for me to envision him slipping, you know, much past the early 20s because when you look at what he was able to accomplish last season in Indiana, some of the really big-time performances that he had and the fact that he's still so young and there's a lot of development there. And I think – at worst, he's going to be, you know, somewhere in those mid twenties, and uh, he could probably go a little bit higher. He's another guy that obviously didn't go through the scrimmages because he's projected to go in the first round, and you don't really want to give teams the reason not to take you in the first round. So, I think that's a lot of, a lot of the reason why most of these guys who are kind of have that that stamp on them that they're going to go in a certain range don't do the scrimmaging. Yeah, I know the NBA Combine obviously really isn't done any which way for fans. It's for the NBA staffs, the coaches, the personnel that make these decisions to get kind of final evaluation opportunities and, and some communication opportunities uh, as well with these players in advance of the mm-hmm. next month or so. But it is interesting, you know, ESPN or one of the ESPN stations, they pick up some of the scrimmages and but, heck, it gets to the point where even though some of these guys are going to get drafted, some of the guys that IU might, fans might turn into watch aren't going to be in them. And that could be the same – That the same could be said for a lot of the, the names that you would recognize, just a lot of guys opting not to play to not take any chance to hurt their situation. So it's kind of funny. Do you play uh, and try to help your situation? Do you play and actually end up hurting your situation? Or do you stay away from it altogether? Just kind of – Kind of funny, kind of interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, I mean, the agents have so much to do with it, too, because you hire an agent and you basically are, when you're entering that partnership, you're basically putting your career in that person's hands to help you, advise you in making all these decisions. And, you know, what your agent tells you to do at the combine is what you're going to do. I'm I'm sure if Trace Jackson Davis' agent would have told him, hey, I'm hearing that you're going to be picked anywhere from 38 to 45 if you have a, if you go play these scrimmages, there's a chance you could move up. Uh, that it would be up to the player probably to decide what they wanted to do. But um, you know, it's there's a lot of people that complain about it, but I understand it kind of from a business standpoint. Uh, these scrimmages, those guys uh, are actually playing pretty hard and and going uh, going after it. I mean, if you would go out in a situation like that or, and get hurt, or you would just have a really bad performance to where. You know, it would give somebody a reason not to draft you. I, I don't. I understand from their perspective uh, not doing it. And in the case of Trace, too, there's so many games available. When he played four years in college, you can basically go watch uh, a ton of film on him and 
you know, if a team is super interested in him, they can bring him in for a private workout uh, and something like that. So, uh, to me, I think it, it made a lot of sense for him. The one that was a little surprising to me was Zach Eady of Purdue because he's projected to go a little bit lower. Maybe that's just basically uh, kind of uh, him revealing that he's not going to stay in the draft, uh, the fact that he didn't even play in the scrimmages, but he, he's projected – most of the you know the mock drafts have him go in late second round, and for him not to do anything with the scrimmages, I think is, is somewhat telling that that maybe he's going to pull back out of the draft and and go back to Purdue. So uh, that that was kind of the one one the, the one guy that that didn't play that that really surprised me a little bit. Most of the other Big Ten guys that were kind of fringe second round undrafted uh, played in the scrimmages. Yeah, I agree. Alex Bozich inside the hall. Alex, I want to close with this, kind of a general thing about Mike Woodson, the Indiana coach. Mm-hmm. You know, with his NBA connections and with Jalen hood Shafino and Trace Jackson Davis in this upcoming draft and other players he's been able to land, the staff has been able to land, and his connections to Carmelo Anthony and some of the positives that Carmelo recently has been on record saying. Of course, Mbako's commitment plays into all this in a big way also – but I think Indiana fans should be prepared for this staff led by Mike Woodson to continue at times to pursue the nation's elite players and occasionally have an opportunity and land a player like an Mbako or someone from that top-tier class. And that's something that Indiana on any regular basis in previous years really has not had a chance to do. But Mike Woodson seems to have the contacts and the reputation and the assistant coaches that are so well connected to get the job done on some of these really elite-level players. I mean, if you want to win a Big Ten championship or you want to go to a Final Four, I think you have to be recruiting this type of player. I'm not saying your whole roster has to be made up of one-and-dones or you have to have uh, one every on every – uh, roster, but if there's a chance to kind of get a player who aligns with what you want to do as a program, uh, example being a guy like Jalen Huchifino, who when he was at IU and when he was a part of the program, he was completely bought in. I would say Romeo Langford, obviously a previous coaching staff, would also fall into that category. A guy like Eric Gordon as well. I mean, looking at some of the one and dones that they've had over the years, those are the, those are the type of player that you know you want to get. Uh, even if they are going to be one and done, because from a culture standpoint, they fit and they align with what uh, you want to do. You don't want players, obviously, who are going to come in and not buy into the system, not buy into what you're trying to do as a program. But I think it makes a ton of sense with the connections that Mike Woodson has built, his experience in the NBA. And just really, if you want to win at the highest level of college basketball, um, I think the, the formula moving forward is going to be, obviously, still to recruit high school players and develop the ones that do stay for multiple years into following up a classman. An example of that would be like a Trey Galloway. And then obviously you want to hit the transfer portal hard and try to find guys that can help you. Uh, example on this roster, obviously Khalil Ware is someone you're expecting to do that. But in previous cycles, Xavier Johnson was the guy that they identified. And then you want to, you know, if you can get an Mbaco or you can get a Hood Shafino or Malik Renew, those type of, highly coveted players that are going to buy into the culture of your program and really embrace what it means to be a basketball player at Indiana. I think you have to have all those ingredients, but uh, I think it would be foolish to not pursue players that are ranked as high just because they're only going to be there for one year because ultimately you look at the teams that consistently win at the top of college basketball, 
they're the most talented teams. I mean, you can be a great coach, but if you don't have the players, uh, you're not going to be able to win at the highest level. Alex Bozich inside the hall. This segment brought to you by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture. Alex, as always, thank you, and we'll do it again next Thursday. Absolutely, Matt. Have a great rest of your day and a great weekend. You as well. Alex Bozich, InsideTheHall.com, at InsideTheHall on social media, a great IU resource, and we have him here every Thursday on the show. We'll head to a commercial break, back with a quick note on IU women's basketball, a little bit more on Trace Jackson Davis as well. Stay with us. This is a Thursday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, back with you here. A real quick segment to wrap up our Thursday program. Yes, we will be back on Friday. I know with Bats Baseball and some other things, we have missed a handful of shows lately, but we will be back on Friday, and I believe every day next week except Wednesday due to another uh, daytime Bats game in the 11 a.m. hour. What IU women's basketball note, IU for the first time, uh, I think ever, uh, has reserved seating for women's basketball, the season tickets, and due to demand, they sent out a note earlier today that they are already expanding the reserved section for next season. The release says due to an overwhelming early response to the new 2023-24 reserve season ticket option for IU women's basketball, the reserve section area is expanding. Originally, only the east side of the main level of Simon Scott Assembly Hall was designated for reserve seating, but due to heavy demand, reserve tickets will now be available for the upcoming season on both the east and west sides of the main level. That is great news. IU women are on the uprise. Another great year. I know there was some disappointment in their loss in the tournament to Miami, but great to see that fans who really became uh, loyal and started packing Assembly Hall, uh, especially for a women's game, which had not seen that kind of attendance, uh, some amazing attendance marks this past season, and really in recent seasons for the women uh, Hoosiers team. But uh, cool to see that more reserve Season tickets will be needed. Also, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, we mentioned that he is getting uh, some interest from NBA teams, more maybe than what we expected. Uh, I was looking, somebody texted me and said, where where do you see him going at this point? The Athletics still has him 54th, Bleacher Report 37th, and these are all second round, obviously. ESPN number 34, maybe a little higher, NBA Draft Room number 30. The Ringer, number 30, Sporting News, 29th. Yahoo Sports, 26th is the highest that I see him. So good to see that. Good to see him picking up some interest, and we'll see how things play out for him. But the Combine coming to a close soon in Chicago. Have a great Thursday. Back with you Friday at 11 a.m. Dylan Wallace of the Seymour Tribune on IU basketball and football. Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star on high school ball and recruiting. We'll have all of that for you tomorrow. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.